Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Have you ever wondered where your Bible comes from? According to Wycliffe Bible Translator, there are over 1,600 languages in the world that still need to have the Word of God translated into their language so they can learn about the love of Jesus and that He died for them. Today on The Scent Life, uh, we want to talk about what it takes to get the Bible into different languages. We have a special guest today, and so welcome to The Scent Life. Hey, Keelan. Hey, Scott. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I am all right. Good. How's the fall going for you? It's going well. Yeah. It's going well. The volunteers doing okay? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. You know, I just had a, my neighbor. I just got a brand new neighbor. I went to introduce myself to him. I had an Auburn shirt on. He said, I think we're going to have problems. And I thought, oh, he's an Alabama fan. But he's a Tennessee fan. I thought, hey. why would a Tennessee fan and an Auburn fan have problems with one another? <laughs> I can't come up with any reason right now. I can't now. even remember the last time we played each other. I know. So, well, welcome to the fall. Yeah. Hey, today's a great day. I'm looking forward to it. Today we have the strikingly handsome Dr. Chuck Quarles in our studio. Keelan and I have a face for podcasts, but Dr. Quarles, he has a face for television. That's exactly right. So we have decided to bring Dr. Quarles on here to talk to you guys about a really important topic and something that I'm very excited that we are doing as a school. Just by way of introduction, in case you're not familiar with Dr. Quarles, he is the research professor of New Testament and Biblical Theology here at Southeastern, and he also directs our newest center, the Kasky Center for Biblical Text and Translation. Dr. Quarles, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. Very happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. So, Chuck, can you talk to us a minute about your new venture? You've been with Southeastern for nearly a decade, teaching New Testament. You've written texts, commentaries on the Gospel of Matthew, especially other New Testament commentaries. You've been a real scholar in those fields, directed our Ph.D. department. But now you've got a new a new center, new endeavor that we're striking out, the Kasky Center. Can you talk a little bit about what that is, the vision for that center, and how it works at Southeastern? Absolutely. I'd love to. Uh, very excited about what the Lord is doing through the Kasky Center. Our center is the Kasky Center for Biblical Text and Translation, mm-hmm. and we have three major purposes. All of them are monumental tasks, okay. and it's going to take us years and years with a lot of help in order to accomplish the task. But first of all, we want to improve our editions of the Hebrew Old Testament and Greek New Testament because all translations ultimately are going to be based on the readings of those texts. We've been engaged in that work for about eight years now at Southeastern. I've been leading teams of students in transcribing ancient manuscripts of the Greek New Testament, and that work has been incorporated into our newest and best editions of the Greek New Testament. We're doing the same thing on the Hebrew side. Uh, They're working on the first critical edition of the Hebrew Old Testament, frankly. The Hebrew text that most translators have used, the Biblia Hebraica Stuttgartensia, is actually a diplomatic text. Hmm. It's based on a single manuscript, the Leningrad Codex, hmm. uh, that was copied in 1008 A.D. Wow. Now, obviously, we've got manuscripts of the Hebrew text that 
predate that by many centuries. And so the goal of the new critical editions is to have the kind of Hebrew Old Testament that matches the quality of our Greek New Testament based on the oldest and best manuscripts and so forth. We're engaged in that work now, too. But the second major purpose is to enhance the accuracy and readability of a major English Bible translation that's widely used in the U.S. So we have a partnership with the Christian Standard Bible, Mm -hmm. which I'm excited to say is now the second best-selling English Bible translation in the U.S. Is that right? It is, and it has been since the spring of this year. Okay. And frankly, it it just continues to bump up in the stats. And the reason that's exciting is it makes our work all the more strategic. Sure. Far greater kingdom impact. Then the third focus, which frankly is the one I'm most excited about, is improving the accuracy and readability of Bible translations all around the world. Okay. So our key partnership there is with the Bible League. Okay. And the Bible League is responsible for the ERV, the easy-to-read version. Really? That's the name yes, of it? Yes, that's yeah. the name of it. It's a, an English Bible translation that's aimed at third-grade reading level, okay. simple short sentences, everyday vocabulary and the primary audience for that bible translation is someone who has had very limited exposure maybe even no exposure to the bible and to the christian faith okay so the erv is a great tool for evangelism Mm -hmm. church planting cross-cultural missions work in context where christ's name is not known okay And the ERV is the base translation for about 60 different majority language translations around the world. Okay. So Arabic, Bengali, Chinese, Russian, Thai, Vietnamese, about 60 translations all around the world are based on the ERV. You know, most Bible translators don't work from the Hebrew and Greek text directly into this translation. It's via an English translation. Most Bible translators don't actually know biblical Mm -hmm. languages. And what really makes the ERV so strategic is that those 60 majority language translations are then the base translations for many other minority translations all around the world. So when we improve the accuracy of the ERV, we're actually improving the Bible read by hundreds of millions of people wow. all around the world. That's fascinating. So the ERV, the easy-to-read English version, isn't just something that we give to people who don't speak English well in different countries, but we also use that as the source to translate into their language. Right. That's yeah, so when I was on the field as a missionary, I was in West Africa. I was working with an unreached group there, and they were actively in the process at the time of translating the scriptures into that language that uh, that we were working in. And I got to watch kind of firsthand how some of that translation mm-hmm. process worked. And it's a it's a fascinating process. And I can I can say firsthand that my term or my time overseas it kind of straddled not having the the scriptures in their language and having the scriptures wow. in their language, and the significance that it 
played on our missionary strategy to mm-hmm. be able to engage and take them the actual word of God and sit mm-hmm. down with them and be able to talk to them in their own language with the scriptures. It was a night and day difference mm-hmm. in how it affected and impacted the way that we were working there. It's a tremendously important task. Right. Yeah, and we experienced the same kind of thing in Romania. Mm-hmm. The Romanians have had a good well, Romanian Bible mm-hmm. translation for centuries. Right. Mm-hmm. It's Cornilescu's translation. Okay. But its language is as ancient and right. archaic as the King James is okay. to most modern okay. uh, English readers. And so while we were on the field, a great new, modernized, very clear and readable uh, Romanian Bible translation came out that was an enormous help to mm-hmm. us yeah. in our evangelism and church planning yeah. work. That's good. So when you talk about improving the easy-to-read version and that the goal is kind of twofold, if I'm understanding you correctly, you can kind of explain. One is to take maybe an archaic translation and bring it into the modern vernacular, but the other is to make that thing more accurate. And So can you talk a little bit about the work you guys are doing as you're working on this Greek text and Hebrew text? You're actually improving the accuracy, and what difference does that make as it relates to Bible translation? Yeah. Well, you know, ultimately it's not the ideas of the translator that are inspired. Yeah. It's it's what God inspired by his Holy Spirit through the prophets and the apostles mm-hmm. and their companions. And so the litmus test for a good translation must always be how well it preserves the meaning mm. of the original Hebrew okay. and Greek. Right. And that becomes more and more challenging the more you attempt to simplify um, the message of the Bible. Yeah. So something like the easy-to-read version has to be very, very carefully done. Mm. And frankly, you're always trying to balance accuracy and clarity and readability and sacrificing none of these to achieve the goal. And so I'm going to be honest with you, it's tough work. Sure. And it it takes the involvement of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Our best discussions in the Caskey team are the ones where we all put our heads together and dialogue about all of the possibilities for rendering a particular construction accurately but clearly at the same time. Yeah, and how do you do that? Do you have some examples of maybe these discussions or some examples of that process? Or how do you actually, do, for the for our listeners who kind of, they have a Bible in their language and really have never thought about, well, it's the difference of, hey, I've got the C, you know, the ESV, or I've got the Christian Standard, or I've got the NIV. We don't really think about anything except maybe who's got the coolest cover or the best deal on the Bible <laughs> or where my preacher preaches from. But you talk a little bit about the back end of that, what actually do you do with your team and your your team of translators that gets me from wherever this mystery is back here that I don't understand to what I actually have in my hand and then how that affects the mission field? Yeah. Well, the, the work that we're doing now begins with a close analysis of the original text okay. and the original languages in which the, say, Greek text, right. in case of the New Testament, has been diagrammed, it's been analyzed syntactically Mm -hmm. so that we have a very precise understanding of every word and every phrase. Now, the challenge is no two languages have perfect word-for-word equivalencies. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't have 
perfect matches in grammar yep. and in syntax. So in the work of translation, there are always trade-offs. Yeah. So our team is constantly thinking through how to best explain mm-hmm. the meaning of the original Greek in the English translation directed to that specific audience. Mm-hmm. Now, the audience for the CSB, for example, that we're working with is a different audience than the one for the ERV. Okay. And so obviously we're aiming at readability mm-hmm. there, but not third grade right. level okay. readability, okay. a higher level. Mm-hmm. And so we can do more with the vocabulary and the structure. That third grade readability yeah. level is a whole different ball game sure. and is much more challenging. But careful analysis of the Greek text. For example, our research associates are taking the exegetical guide to the Greek New Testament okay. series. Okay. And they're looking at every detail of the Greek text mm. and then examining CSB and ERV wow. and seeing ways that they might be tweaked and improved. Now, you asked for a practical example. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you one quick one. Okay. Next Tuesday, however is my faculty lecture since it's essentially my 10-year anniversary here at Southeastern. And the whole lecture for about 50 minutes is going to be on this topic. So many more examples in that lecture. But one that's important to me would be Colossians 1.15. There the Apostle Paul uh, describes the Lord Jesus as the prototokos, pases, tixos which traditionally has been translated firstborn of all creation. Okay. That's the translation that you'll find essentially in the King James Version, the ESV, many different others. Okay, here's the problem. Okay. (laughs) When your modern-day English reader encounters that phrase, of all creation Mm -hmm. or of every creature, depending on how it's rendered, they assume that of implies that that firstborn is a part of part that of creation, which is actually, of course, the ancient heresy of Arianism. That's right. That's right. That implies that the Lord Jesus is a created being rather than the creator. And that's clearly not what Paul means. Right. The context is going to make that clear. He's the creator of all things. Right. and. Uh, heaven and earth, visible and invisible, Paul says. So what's going on there? Well, there is no of in the Greek text. Ah. Uh, the of is an effort to explain the nuance of the genitive case. Mm-hmm. But the genitive case is capable of about 25 different nuances in wow. Greek. And one important one is the genitive of subordination. in which the genitive phrase identifies the realm over which an authority figure rules. Hmm. For example, if you say the king of Israel, it means the king who rules over Israel. If you say the master of the house, Mm -hmm. the one who has authority over the household. And firstborn, if you want to say of all creation, it has that same nuance But the modern-day English reader does not pick up on that. And so far better is a translation like you find in the NIV, the CSB, firstborn over all Ah. creation. Uh, The title firstborn is actually drawn from Psalm 89, 
where the Messiah is described as God's firstborn, the greatest of the kings of the earth. Wow. Firstborn is a title of supreme messianic mm-hmm. authority. And, but we miss the whole point of Paul's statement today mm-hmm. if we simply use the of. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's an excellent example right there. It changes it all, right? Mm -hmm. It does. Well, and I'll tell you, so this is one of the reasons I'm so excited about the work you guys are doing with that easy-to-read translation. It probably is a surprise, at least I would assume it is to most of our listeners, that the easier-level reading is harder translation work, but it absolutely makes sense that it would be that way. Uh, But through what you're talking about here, I I think it becomes pretty clear the significance, the downstream significance of the work you guys are doing for the ongoing missionary task overseas. When we were working over there as missionaries where I was in Africa, of course we had the evangelistic responsibility. We were preaching the gospel to people who had never heard nor accepted the good news of Christ. But as that happened, we then had the responsibility of you know, teaching them to obey all that mm. he has commanded, right? Uh-huh. And there's this whole life discipleship responsibility that's right. part of the, the missionary task. And being able to do that well is directly tied to how well these people can engage with the scriptures on their own terms. Uh, and so it's a phenomenal thing right. that you guys are doing for the sake of the Great Commission. Fascinating. Man, thanks a ton. This is an exciting endeavor that we are, I guess, just kind of beginning the journey through the Caskey Center. Uh, and man, how in the world do you accomplish those three major tasks that you have? You must have a full team of people. Talk to us just a second, if you would, about you know, how, how that center is structured and yeah. how it's functioning and what your, what your plans and maybe your needs are. Maybe our listeners have some, some ability to help you. Right. right now we have two senior research fellows, okay. uh, myself on the New Testament side, Dr. Chip Party on the Old Testament side, and we supervise Ph.D. students Mm -hmm. in our biblical studies program here uh, who are research associates. We have two for New Testament Mm -hmm. and Greek, two for Old Testament and Hebrew, with the intention of adding uh, one to each of those teams this next year. Some people have volunteered to help with transcribing ancient manuscripts. We could really benefit from feedback from pastors and missionaries if they say, hey, this particular phrase is particularly confusing mm. to the people that I minister to. Is there a solution? We invite that feedback, okay. and we will take it seriously okay. as we consider yeah. recommendations for changes. So a missionary or a pastor somewhere who has a phrase could email you or email Southeastern Seminary, hey, here's a phrase that my people struggle with, and your team can help unpack that, give some clarity to that along the way. We'd be happy to. That'd be great. That's excellent. So great, man. Thanks for being here today, Dr. Quarles. My privilege. So Chuck Quarles has been with us in the studio today. Dr. Quarles, again, is a research professor. Uh, he's a New Testament theology professor. He also is the director of the Caskey Center. He's a prolific writer and author. Some of the best books that I have on my shelf, especially New Testament commentaries written by Dr. Quarles, I would encourage you to look those up. You would be greatly blessed, both with his wisdom and insight into uh, into the New Testament, also his heart, the heart of a pastor that helps you learn how to communicate the biblical text. And so we appreciate you being here. Keelan? Yep. Thanks so much. Dr. Quarles, it's a joy to have you with us. And as always, thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to find us and follow us in all the places you'd find your podcasts and follow them. Uh, you can find us on all the regular social media channels as well. So 
We're The Scent Life. You can find out more about us at the Center for Great Commission Studies, thecgcs.org. And we look forward to being with you next time. Thanks. Southeastern understands that you have a strategic and valuable role to play in getting the gospel to your neighbors and the nations. That's why we offer over 40 degrees at the undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral levels to equip you to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Visit scbts.edu to learn more.